podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Let's get ready to rumble! Hello and welcome to Face Off. I'm your host, Guy Drinkle, as always, and today we're going to be discussing the nil-nil draw with Manchester City in what was a very weird game, considering I was expecting a mad game like we saw last uh, last season. But we'll get into the details. And joining me is Tadiwa. How are you doing, Tadiwa? Yeah, not too bad in yourself, Guy. I'm good, man. I'm good. Joining us is Andy Morris. How are you doing, Andy? Getting by, my friend. Getting by. Good, good. So, Andy, I'll start with you because there was a bit more change to your to Man City starting eleven that compared to Liverpool's. You saw a few changes, and obviously you saw Mendy coming back. You see Mares probably starting his biggest game so far. I mean, what were your thoughts on Man City starting eleven? <laughs> to be honest with you, it didn't surprise me, but it slightly disappointed me because I'm a great fan of Sane. And I was really hoping that we'd see more of him. And I am not massively in love with Mahrez at the minute. I don't think he's the right man for, for us. So, Pep knows what he's doing. I'm sure I'm going to look like a complete tool in about <laughs> six months' time. But, you know, it, 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 the balance was there. The same style was there. It just tweaked a bit. So, it, it, I say surprised, disappointed, but the man knows what he's doing, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it, it's the uh, same for Liverpool fans when they try to argue what's uh, about Liverpool starting 11s. But to Dewa, I mean, we don't see many changes for, for Liverpool. I mean, what, what, what were your thoughts on the starting 11? There wasn't too many options we could do, but obviously we see that change at the back. Yeah, I think the, the only surprise um, would have been that Joe Gomez going to right back and Trent starting on the bench. I think... Um, it's always a worry when you break up a centre-back partnership that seems to have done so well. Uh, in, in Joe Gomez and Van Dijk, I think they've had a great start to the season. And especially bringing in Lovren, who, you know, his his history will always follow him. But bringing him into such a big game, in such a, you know, hostile environment and the expectations that are, that are you know, um, rising as Liverpool fans go through the season and then also the, the, the expectations of a game like this one against City, which was being billed as sort of like a early title decider. Um, I'm not going to lie, I was a bit worried when I saw Lovren in the team, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll go on to his performance and, and some of the other performances. Yeah, absolutely. So, today I'll stick with you then. Um, obviously, we see like the first 10 minutes or so, and I thought Liverpool started off quite well. I thought it was going to change into one of them games where we, we've seen between Manchester City and Liverpool where it just it's madness for pretty much 90 minutes. But after that 10 minutes, I mean, from a Liverpool point of view especially, there wasn't much else, was there? No, I think um, maybe, maybe the, the team that we chose uh, played played quite a big factor. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, obviously with the, with the new back four and some of the other team... Um, some of the other guys in the starting lineup, I think it did indicate that this game would be more 
more about the the midfield battle and not necessarily what was going to be happening in the final third. I think both teams were very very cautious going into the game. I do think we had we had to take into consideration the fact that both these teams are the best in the league. Um, City being the best, Liverpool being the second best in terms of the quality of shots that they've conceded and the quantity of shots they've conceded. Um, so these are two the two best defenses in the league. Um, so I think people were going off of last season's expectations as to what was going to happen in this game. But heading into this game, based on this season's form, both these teams have been very solid at the back, not giving um, any teams a lot of chances. And then I think also at the beginning of the season, this type of game is it's a game that you don't want to lose. Whereas I think if this game game was towards the end of the season where the title is you know up for grabs mm. maybe it might be a more aggressive game but i think in terms of this one it was just um it was just summarizing that that saying of you can't win a league title at the beginning of the season but you can certainly lose it and i think both teams had that mentality of let's just not lose this one we can you know we can slug it out a bit later on into the season if we're still both you know challenging yeah i think that's a fair show and andy i mean what was your make of the start? And do you think do you think there's indications that Pep's may may be learning how to deal with a Klopp team a bit better? Because he does have the best record against Pep Guardiola. Do you think there's signs that he's learning against Klopp? I think it was obvious when you saw the way he set up that he wanted to stifle what he, he's always admitted is a, a front three that scares the, the Jesus out of him. Mm. What I saw though was. Um, that first 10 minutes where you guys went out, as you always seem to, you know, foot to the floor, let's go at them. City expected that. They were set up that. And I think after that first 10 minutes, Pep's plan became a bit clearer. Mm. In that then Liverpool were looking at each other thinking, that, 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 that didn't work. What do we do now? And the doubt was really from the setup that they had. And I, the, the, the beauty of, of, of what he did was... He put David Silva in a different role in that he was in between the, you know, the front three and, and, and the midfield. Mm. And they didn't know who was to pick that up. And that, the advantage for that, I think, when we got over that first 10 minutes where it all settled in, when the teams, you know, had faced off, no one had done any real damage either end. They then thought, well, who's picking up, who's picking up David Silva? Now is it the midfield to do? Or is it the front? Three got to look after him, and that created a real problem for Liverpool. And then when City started knocking it around, you know, and, and gaining a bit of possession, and, and so their our setup gelled a bit more. That sort of storm was never able to to rise again, and I think that's where Liverpool failed to take advantage of what could have been, you know, that first ten minutes of of, of the usual whirlwind. And, mm. and it was interesting that once, once we game clear, as the game went on, it became clear that the front three weren't on their game at all, individually or as a, as a unit yeah. for Liverpool. And it also, the question mark before from a lot of City fans before we kicked off and when the, when the, the sides were, were announced and, and obviously, um, Vinnie Company wasn't playing. It was a case, oh, you know what? He must be injured. He must be this. There must be something wrong. I think when you looked at that pair, you know, pair at the back, there was no Ottoman, there was no company. But all of a sudden, 
those, you know, more naturally footballing sense of acts created the problem for Liverpool because we could not get around. They couldn't pressure. And we always had the best bit about one of the interesting side issues yesterday was two of the best keepers with the feet in the world. And neither of them was, we didn't even bother trying to push the keepers, did we, from, no. from the defensive point of view. We didn't push on them because we knew we, there was no point. And that created a, a, a weird balance in the middle of the park because we were neither side of pushing on the keeper. We were pushing on the defensive, but we weren't pushing on the keeper because they could, they could both drop a ball over the midfield to the, the front men. So again, it created this big question mark about how do we, how do we go about this now? How do we push on this defense? We had two, you know, we had two quick full-backs who could take advantage of any issues. We had two good footballing centre-halves and a guy between the sticks who's, who's as good as any of the forward players for, for, for passing the ball. And I think Liverpool struggled to put pressure on that. And then, of course, we saw took a bit more of a, a dominant role in the middle because of those question marks that arose. And it was interesting to see how it panned out because before the game, everyone was questioning who were that back four cities could be easily got at and it never happened. Yeah, I think that's definitely fair. I mean, Liverpool didn't create too much, if anything. I think Salah, if he was at his fire and best, may have took advantage of a couple opportunities. But outside of that, there wasn't much in terms of cutting open City that uh, we've seen before. And for me personally, I think that's where we miss Oxlade-Chamberlain for me. But um, to do, I mean, I think we've seen it in the last two games. I think Man City kind of set up similarly to Napoli. Um, do you think that's a worry from from a clock point of view that we've uh, we've seen two games now where we've been really stifled? Especially, I think that the big sign for me was how Kyle Walker was used, very similarly to how the right back was used uh, in the Napoli game, where he wasn't that marauding, you know, sort of right wing back that we know Walker to be. He was a bit more subdued. Whereas I think Liverpool were hoping to try and match um, our front three against either one of the centre-backs, you know, pulling them out of position, pulling them wide. So, for example, if you had um, a Stones covering for a walker who had bombed up the field and you have you match up money on the left with Stones who's come out of that centre-back position in order, you know, to cover him, I think that's where we, we've seemed to be dangerous in the past against City, whereas it seemed like um, Pep was very wary of that and that did help stifle I do think it's something that Klopp has to think about and um, obviously now that we've gone past this tough um, I think it's 21 days where, where we've had quite a few very big teams and teams that are, that are willing to you know tactically maybe match us um, maybe we won't see any more development from that side with the fixtures that are coming up but it will be interesting to see the next time Klopp has a big game if these same tactics are used, whether he can develop, maybe not a plan B directly, but something just to to circumvent what seems to be stifling, you know, um, the space for our front three and helping to link the midfield and the strikers. As, as you mentioned, Oxlade-Chamberlain thrived in that role last season against Man City. Naby Keita's injury against Napoli, did that play a role in this, you know, in how much he could do this 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 game? But um, it's definitely something that Klopp will have to think about. I don't think it's too big a concern at the moment. As I said, it's still early on in the season. Both teams, Man City and Liverpool, are still in good positions, considering they're not, quote-unquote, firing on all cylinders. 
Yeah, absolutely. But something else for Klopp to think about is the midfield at the minute. And obviously on the 28th minute, we see James Milner go off. I think uh, Robertson said it was a, a hamstring injury whilst on the pitch. I mean, obviously James Milner, we know what he is. I mean, he started off the season really well and then I think... Not fatigue, but I think maybe just a bit of overplaying him kind of set it, and he's not really been the same since then. But how much of a worry is that Milner might be missing a few games? I mean, there's not much been out since, but fortunately we do have an international break, I suppose. But how big a miss will be James Milner, considering we're trying to bed in two new guys at the minute? Yeah, it could potentially be a big miss. I suppose it just depends how long he's out for. Definitely the international break allows us this two weeks where... He can try and recover. Um, the the thing with Milner is he's one of the players that's tried and tested, and we've seen um, going into this heavy schedule and in the past with Klopp, he does prefer to use players that he knows he can put in there and they'll do a job and they'll do a job well. James Milner, you can put him. I'm pretty sure you could put him in goalkeeper and he'll give you a six out of ten performance at minimum. <laughs> he, he seems to be just that type of player, and he started the season well. I think he has started to to feel his legs a bit with the amount of minutes he's been asked to do so maybe um if you know if it's you, you never wish for a serious injury for any player but if it's an injury that let's say he's out for three weeks but it's not a serious injury maybe that three weeks just gives him a chance to rest his legs so it could be a benefit in disguise i don't know i'm trying to look at the positives there mm. No, I think you've been fair there, and it'll be interesting to see if if Naby and Fabinho can can step up now. But uh, that's pretty much me avoiding the first penalty shout. So Andy, I'll come to you. <laughs> uh, we see Joe Gomez do pretty much just absolutely fifty p a header back in back into his own box, and we see Lovren. I don't know how to word this, but I'm going to say hoof um, Aguero. I mean, was it a stonewaller for you? Andy, Abs- so yeah, absolutely. I, I looked at when it first went. It was a typical thing for a City fan with City playing at Anfield that we just shrug your shoulders and say, well, we don't get them. <laughs> you know, and I think the, the old honesty of the player not making too much of it, there's almost a, a mindset, I suppose, where, well, we're not going to get it anyway, so I might as well try and carry on playing. But I thought it was a penalty. And I, th- I don't know whether you guys agree. It was rash. It was perfectly timed. And it definitely you know, stops Aguero doing what Aguero wanted to do. That's not a foul, I don't know what it is. But mm. we, we don't, none of us um, get an equal hand from referees in any sense do we through the season. So it was it was almost too early in the game as well, I think, that you know, we, we had that rushing around for the first 10 minutes and it started to settle. And then almost like, well, it won't affect the game. It doesn't matter so much, we're still going to get beat was my attitude, to be honest with you. But, um, <laughs> But yeah, I thought it was a penalty. I thought that was also the first indication of of, of the um, the choice of those two centre backs not being what it, what really I expected, and it gave it gave us a bit of hope, I think, at that point, didn't it, that they could be got at? Yeah, I think it did. To be fair, and, and Teddy, I mean, from a Liverpool point of view, try try to take your bias out of it, but do you think it was a penalty? Oh, I'm 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 usually trying to be neutral in these type of situations, and I do think. It was a penalty. Um, funny enough, I was playing football yesterday and, and I had to rush back to, to watch the Liverpool game. But it was a similar situation in our Sunday league game where I was running into the box and the defender sort of took me out. And 
it I, I i took a touch just as he came sliding in and he sort of tackled me and i tried to carry on running but I, my touch was too far away so i just sort of fell to the ground pretty much it was quite a so, delay so what what you're saying is you dived yeah, it was a pretty delayed dive, but I think <laughs> the ref only blew the whistle after I had dived. Whereas, you know, I think it's a similar situation in Aguero where Aguero made the decision for the ref where he didn't make too much of it, so the ref just carried on. If he had stayed on the ground, I do think the ref may have given that one. So maybe his honesty might have played against him there. And then the issue with that, though, is we always want to encourage, you know, all of our professional players to to be honest and stay on their feet. But if they're not getting decisions like that, where you can clearly see Lovren has, you know, fouled him, in my opinion, then it only leads to players starting to, you know, drag legs and, and you know, exaggerate their falls a bit, which ends up being a bit of a shame. But, yeah, I, I did think it was a penalty. It's interesting as well, isn't it, that VAR so often um, shouted about in these situations, but I don't know whether it'll get to Sunday League level, but I'm wondering what they would have thought of your dive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I did cheapishly stand up after it was awarded and just <laughs> walk away quietly. It's, it's not the side I like to see here today. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'll open, I'll open up this a bit more. I mean, Today, I think it's fair to say Liverpool have seen a fair share of luck this season from referees. I mean, we've had the the Tottenham uh, missed penalty. I mean, we had an offside goal against West Ham, but that didn't really matter too much. Obviously, uh, yesterday, I mean, I think there was that study going about that. We were we were horrendously unlucky last year, but do you think it's finally turning around from a Liverpool point of view, luck-wise, I should say? Yeah, it, it seems like it, and I suppose... In any season that you're going for a title, you do need some of these things to to fall your way. I think um, if you look at the the amount of penalty shots, you know you could say you could argue for three penalties for City in this game, and I'm pretty sure they would be scoring at least one of those three opportunities. You'd you'd expect a team to score at least one of the three opportunities, and that changes the game completely. Whereas now they've only had one of those, and then we'll talk about that one later, but it lessens their chances of winning the game, you know, opposed to having had three. So I think it seems like we, we have the rub of the green at the moment, and, you know, if, if you're counting it, at, it always balances us out over a season. I, I never really see that, especially last season. Definitely didn't feel like it balanced out, but maybe it balances out over two seasons. I think I'll we're I think that. we're paying for the Suarez days still, to be honest. Oh, <laughs> fair play to that then. Yeah, yeah. decent. Th- it's interesting though that we you know we didn't get the early one; we got the later one. And you said there was a, a case for a third, but if we'd have been given that first one early doors, how that would have shaken that, that defence of Liverpool. For the for the next what was it in the twenty eighth minute or something? Yeah, you know, so I think twenty odd minutes. I think yeah. Yeah, so for the next sixty minutes, you could have been a goal down with a shaky defence and started to doubt yourself. So it really the timing of these things can sometimes be important. The fact that we we missed late on, you didn't have a chance to 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 do anything if you like to 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 beat us, so we didn't lose the game. And and again, it's sometimes the timing of these things can have a greater influence on the outcome. And it also depends who then takes it, because Aguero would have been on the field at that time. So Ex- exactly that, yeah. No, no questions of who was taking that one. 
I think the next penalty take is going to be Edison, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Andy, from a, from a Man City point of view, obviously you won the league last year, and obviously today were mentioned uh, to win a title. You need a bit of luck. I mean, yeah. perhaps, perhaps not for Man City last year because you were that dominant, but you've obviously won it in the past as well. Do, do you do you think the ref does play a big part in the season? I'm, I know the standard of refereeing in the Premier League is pretty horrendous nowadays, to be fair, but do you think it does even out from your point of view? Because, I mean, every team thinks the referee's against them, don't they? I think if you took last season and the season before as well, if you took one player of City to, to, as an example, um, and I know we don't talk about him normally with Liverpool fans, but Raheem Sterling, mm. I think there was probably 10 or 12 penalties that weren't given that just on him alone. And it doesn't even itself out. <laughs> it's, I mean, it, it simply doesn't. Um, there was there was one occasion, I can't remember which season it was, where he was pushed in the back when he was fleeing through on goal. And even the defender after the match said, oh, absolutely, it was a penalty. I think it was Spurs. Um, and you could not have any clearer penalties at times, um, and they don't get given. So I'd like to think that they were just bad with everyone. Mm. I genuinely don't want to think that they've only got one eye on certain players. But as you mentioned Suarez earlier, I think there's certain players who do get a rough time and don't get what they deserve uh, in terms of penalties. And uh, as you know, Crystal Palace's players have been moaning moan the way that they don't get fouls given against them, etc. And I do think it tends to have, you know, be a snowball that gathers uh, momentum, and players just don't get what they deserve. And I think Sterling is a prime example of that. There's number of times he should have had a penalty, and he hasn't had it. Aguero tends not to get too many; he can get hacked and, and kicked. And I do think there are certain clubs who gain the benefit of that. Um, I won't name them because it's not fair. United. But United, yeah. <laughs> You know, and and a city, we won the league last year. You know, it wasn't even a, a, a close call, and we did that with bad decisions. So I think that the, my my feeling, you know, I've seen them win the title. Believe it or not, I have actually been alive on the planet and seen City win the title three times. Who would have thought that? Um, and the the way we won it was a little bit fortune here, a little bit of fortune, but most of the time by playing good football. And I think that's what. What we've, we've started to understand, you just got to go with those punches. And, you, and I think Liverpool, um, when you didn't win it, we know, we're not slipping up from here. Um, the mistakes that they made, it wasn't about referees, was it, guys? It wasn't the mistakes that they no, made no, themselves. No, no. So you've just got to play the football. And that's why you're out here as challenges, because you're playing the football, not because you're lucky. Look at where United are. They're there because, not because they're playing good football. But yeah, we don't get the rubber the green. Hey ho, life goes on. But I'm not going to complain right now. Yeah, absolutely. I thought I'd just get that because I mean, referees are discussed every week. Because mainly they are terrible. Um, but I, I, I'm glad they're doing that job and not me, though. I yeah, mean, true. They might, they might be job. they might be awful, <laughs> but it's not me that's being being shouted at. At least it wasn't Anthony Taylor bad at the weekend against Newcastle. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But uh, you mentioned him a couple of times there, not getting the rubber agreement, and Sterling, obviously, 
not exactly the most popular person at Anfield, and I think that's understandably so. I mean, other grounds around the country, I have no idea. Maybe the Daily Mail has an answer for that. Um, uh, yes. Yeah. But uh, obviously we see him come back, and he's not had the best of times at Anfield in the past. I mean, for me, he, he looked a bit better, but not obviously at his best. I mean, do you think this is one of his better performances against Liverpool? Is that for me to answer? Yeah, yeah. Because I, I don't think you were, were actually yeah, having too much of a debate about his performance levels against Liverpool, are we? No. Um, it, was, it was better than it has been. I feel sorry for him because it's almost as if he's trying too hard not to be bothered. Mm. <laughs> you can always say he's a, he's a genuinely nice lad. He's a genuinely good professional and he's a talented, talented player. And then he tries not to be affected. And sometimes you just got to let that adrenaline flow. That's, you know, I'm a firm believer in sometimes, you know, go out there, run at them, see how it goes. If you make a mistake, and Pep is, is, is an ideal manager to, to take risks with because he'll, he'll always, you know, the difference between Mourinho shouting at his players and Pep giving them a cuddle. And I, I think he was almost, he, he stymied himself. And I think that was disappointing for me because he's better than that. And I, th- I you know, why they why they continually boo him is is a mystery to me. I don't, you know, I don't see why a player shouldn't move on in his career either either to a, a bigger club, a better club, a more successful, or just simply for money. Because it's at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what that mix is. Um, you know, he comes back, he gets booed, and I think it's he's trying not to be affected by it too much. I'd almost like put two fingers up to the to the to the uh, the ones who boo and just do your job because he's a he's a genuinely genuinely talented player. Yeah, weirdly enough, I mean, I could obviously understand why whilst the why the crowd boos him because it's part of the banter, <laughs> past pay, past pay and stuff. But I've always, not always, but I've had a bit of sympathy for Sterling going. I mean, he obviously fell out with Brendan Rodgers, and I don't think he, I don't think many people have turned down Man City. But but anyway, um, Tadiba, obviously we mentioned Sterling there as as, as one of Man City's uh, front men. But again, Liverpool's front men, and specifically the wide two. Well, well, no, let's say the front three. The front three struggled again. Um, who who's the most worrying at the minute for you out of the front three? I, I suppose they're, they're all not in rhythm at the moment. But I think the most worrying for me is probably Salah in terms of just the drop in his conversion rate. Mm. It, it, it has been quite a big drop. And I do think, you know, if you look at his numbers and if you look at the build-up in his play, he's still, if not um, more so, he's he's actually very involved in the creative part of the game. He is getting into positions where he can, you know, get shots on target, but he just doesn't have that um, that finishing touch that he seemed to have um, towards the end of last season. And I think it's it's something that maybe people it, it's very easy when you're sitting on the couch or you know just commentating as a fan. We forget that these people are humans, and as strikers, you do go through patches where things just aren't falling for you. And then you also get into patches where everything is falling for you. I think every time Salah got the ball inside the box, you know, some of those um, goals, if you go back and look at them, it wasn't even, you know, the greatest or the purest strike of the ball, but somehow it just went into the net anyway. Whereas now, um, you know, move forward about three, four months and all of those half chances are no longer going in for him. And I think, 
it's just going to take maybe one or two to like the flickers goals for them to go in just for him mm. to get that confidence back. And then I think he should be well in his way. In terms of Firmino, he's still doing, you know, the off the ball work that he, he has always been doing. So I think he gets a bit of a, a grace, if we can say, because he's still being involved in that hard working. Um, whether he can get back to the numbers that we saw, especially in the Champions League in terms of finishing, I think that comes when the likes of Mane and Salah also start scoring because that will once again free up more space for Firmino. In terms of Mane, I think he's being asked to do a completely different role and he's growing in that role of now being, you know, dropping deep and sort of filling the holes that Coutinho was filling, um, being the creative player, grabbing the ball from midfield and driving forward, especially as we've mentioned our midfield three seem to be more industrious and and runners than necessarily the creative sparks that we need. Um, you know, the likes of Cato will definitely want to step up in, in that department. But if you've got three industrious midfielders, then the creativity has to come from somewhere. And I think money is hard to, to try and, you know, pick that up. So you can understand why his, maybe his goal tally has, has dried up a little bit. But I do think, the strikers or our forward line, our front three, is just in that moment in time where nothing is falling for them. And for me, it's just unfortunate that all three of them are going through that patch at exactly the same time. Usually it would be, you know, one of them or two of the three that go through that and then it allows one to carry the team. But when they're all going through that type of patch, then then it becomes a bit tricky. But I suppose a positive for us when you look at what's happening with the front three that they're not firing in all cylinders is that we're very solid at the back. So it just takes one goal usually in games to, for us to see out that game. And and I suppose as long as that continues to be the situation, then then we're still in a good stead. Um, but yeah, ho- hopefully they'll start to convert their chances a bit more. I think for Salah, it's more of a confidence thing than, than anything else. Once he gets that confidence, once he gets that touch back um, in front of goal, then I think he he'll he'll let the reins go a bit more, and we'll see a bit more goals. Yeah, and we you have know, the two if, perfect if, fixtures as well. Sorry, Andy, what were you? Yeah, I, I was going to say that from, from a, an outsider's point of view, you've got your, your front three who had really the season of a lifetime, but you know together as a group and as individuals. Your problem for me is that you know you talk about converting the chances, which is you know perfectly. As you'd expect, you're, you, you're going to miss a few, you're going to score a few. But the number of chances that they're going to be getting this season is going to be a lot less because I don't think you've got enough imagination behind them. And there's, a, there's this balance between work rate up front, running, you know, running down different channels, changing it up a little bit, which they were doing almost without even thinking about it last season. <laughs> but behind that, I don't know whether you've got enough imagination. And I think the number of chances, even if you converted all of them, you would still struggle to win some games. Because again, City have an advantage in that regard. Because we mm. still, you know, even, even if you looked at our bench yesterday, but if we brought Sane on with Gabriel Jesus there, you know, we could bring on that talent. But we don't even talk about De Bruyne, who is yet to come back. And I don't see anything as creative in the Liverpool midfield to make the chances that Salah 
needs, if you like. He, yeah. he only gets two chances a game and, and he fluffs his lines, his confidence will drop. If he gets ten and, he's, and he fluffs the two, he's still got eight. <laughs> you know, and that's what was happening last yeah. season. He was putting away a lot of chances because there was a lot of chances. Well, let, let's go on at that point then. And today, what, what do you what do you think about the makeup of our midfield? I mean, I think yesterday yesterday it was it was definitely set up to stifle more than anything uh, and I think we've seen that from that, that three midfielders before I mean Mil- we started with Milner obviously um, and then Naby came on but when when we've got Ginny and Hendo in the same team it's not going to be chock full of creativity and to build on Andy's point do we have that creativity in midfield to, ma- to match a team like City and even Chelsea who obviously started so well as well? I, I, it's a very very good point brought up by Andy and I think it's something that Klopp definitely needs to look at and I think he did try to address that. You could see how aggressively we went for Fakir, mm. you know, um, during the winter, during the summer break, and obviously that deal fell apart for one or two reasons. But he, it was definitely a position that he identified that he needed that creative midfielder who can also contribute in either unlocking defenses, getting that final pass, but also um, contributing on the goal goal scoring side of things. If you look at our current midfield. Maybe Oxlade Chamberlain was one of the guys that was starting to produce that type of thing where he was getting the assists and the goals. Um, and then he's obviously out for the whole season. Then you start looking, you know, down the ranks as well. Um, you're not going to get that from a Henderson. You're not going to get that from Milner. You're not going to get that from Ginny Wanaldum, although he has popped up with a few goals this season. So effectively, Shakiri, but I, I don't know if you can trust Shakiri in the midfield three. I think if Shakiri does come into that 10 role, I think we might move to a double pivot um, just to allow him the freedom to go forward and try and be that fourth attacking player. Um, so Shakiri is an option there, but as I said, that might involve changing the formation. The key, I suppose, and unfortunately for him, in the sense that both Lalana and Oxlade-Chamberlain are injured, is that a lot of the weight now falls on Naby Keita to try and bed into a team as quickly as as possible. And I think a lot of people had similar expectations to Navigator's first season as what transpired from Salah's first season in terms of hit the ground running, you know, take the, the, the Premier League by storm. But I think it has taken him a bit of time to settle in. We saw in the first few games, he played really well. He You could see, you know, his value in, in the team in terms of creativity. But I think the more the season has gone on, he has been asked to do a lot more defensive side of the game. And I think maybe that's taken a bit of, of, of his efforts away from going forward because he's not necessarily the best at covering, especially when he plays on that left-hand side. Robertson does get left exposed quite a bit. So I think Naby Keita and Shakiri would be the two that I'm looking at in terms of creativity from midfield. But as I said, with Cato, it will take him time to learn the defensive side as well as now being able to use his attacking strength. And then with Shakiri, I don't think Klopp trusts him in a three. It would mean we'd have to change our formation. Maybe that's when Fabinho could come into a, into games, especially against, you know, maybe not some of the traditionally stronger sides in the Premier League. Have Fabinho and a Henderson, you know, sitting in that double pivot, let Shakiri go. And then he's just focusing on attacking, you know, and not the defensive side, which seemed to be an issue. But, you know, if, if that doesn't get resolved between now and January, I, I would expect and hope that Klopp would be backed to try and go in and get that attacking midfielder that he, 
he failed to get during the summer. Yeah, I fully, I fully agree with pretty much everything you've said there. Um, but Andy, coming to Man City's midfield, obviously you've talked there about the, the, the well, you're just chock full of creativity, and you obviously mentioned De Bruyne, who was uh, pretty much the only one in the running for uh, Player of the Year with with Mo Salah. Um, how how did you think they did on the day then? Because it was it was an odd game. I think don't think anyone was cutting anyone open at will, but. How do you think they did? I mean, Bernardo Silva seemed to catch my eye a fair bit. I really liked, and it's a, so City fans will start booing me at the minute, but I really liked the fact that Gundogan wasn't near that side. Mm. Because he, although he's a talented player in his own right, and he serves a, a certain, does just, you know, carry that certain role. If he'd have been playing yesterday, which I think would have been plan A, but I think he's got hamstring injury, we we wouldn't have been anywhere near as mobile. And I think the, the thing that marks City out ahead of almost every team in the Premier League is their ability to flow across the midfield. And the one thing we didn't do yesterday, strangely enough, which is maybe why we didn't create as many chances, is we didn't swap our wingers from side to side as we often do. Mm. Sane, if Sane had been honest with Myers, I think you'd have seen Sterling and Sane changing sides. And that keeps, you know, defences a little bit more unbalanced. Mares is a slower proposition on one side, so he's a talented player. You just, I have a problem seeing him do the job that, that I would like the man on that side of the park to do in City's team. But the the best buy we have made for quite some time is Bernardo Silva. We all talked about what will we do when David Silva goes, when he when he inevitably has to retire. We've already got the man to fill his boots, and they are very, very difficult boots to fill. And what disappointed me is that the way we set up, we didn't allow ourselves to express a bit more with that free-flowing football, which we'd normally see. I understand I understand why he did it. It, it helped stop your flow. It helped create uh, a more solid drive shield for, for the defence in that regard but we had probably two or three more gears in terms of making more of a fluid um, midfield and we didn't use them because he didn't that's the big change for what he did take it, take that as you want but you know it was respect shown to what you could have done to us if you'd have been on your game I don't think, to be honest with you I don't think he made uh, enough of the fact you weren't on your game you were you were below par for a large part of the game yesterday, and I think he could have took the shackles off a little bit for our midfield. So I understand why it happened. We should have won the game, and I think if we'd have got that penalty, would I, I don't think as many people would have said that we didn't deserve to win over the whole piece. But we have a lot, lot more than than we showed, and I think when Sane came on. Um, and, and Jesus came on as well, then it became far more fluid. Then that's when the real problem started for your defence because you didn't know where it was going to come from at that point. You know, the pace that was coming from different departments. We upped it a bit for, for the last 10 um, in terms of where we were taking the attacks from. And I think if, if you, when you come to the Etihad, and I'm, I'll quite happily welcome you back, in the Champions League again for two more games this year because I think <laughs> it would be, be a different outcome. We've learned a lot of how to suppress your 
attacking instincts, and I don't think you'd necessarily learn that against us. What we did is we we created less ourselves rather than you stopping us from creating. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a fair shout. I mean, it, it will be interesting to see when both teams are on form, see how it goes. Um, but one question I want to ask you, Andy. Okay. Is how, how Fernandinho didn't get booked in that game? <laughs> because he's a lovely lad. <laughs> no, oh. it's one of those. It's one of those things that some players get away with. They don't they? Um, I mean, and, they and get away say, with it, and then just like denying assault. <laughs> yeah, but you could also say, how did was it Mane who kicked up when he was yeah, under there? That was a yellow card. To be fair. Yeah, and you say, well, why didn't that happen? And it could just be the fact that some players have the ability to hide when they should be getting the yellow card. They some you know they either they've either run out of the the eye of the referee. <laughs> or they're just behind another player. You know, <laughs> these things happen. They have this ability to just not be there when you're not. Think, who, who was that who did that? But yeah, um, I could, I, I cannot say enough about how brilliant Fernandinho is. To be honest with you, mm. and I think every single team with a Fernandinho is a better team. Um, he does everything that we want him to do, and not getting booked is a bonus because for the first. I think two seasons he was he was getting booked a lot more, so maybe he's just uh, uh, his his English is better, and when he's apologising to the ref, I don't know. <laughs> uh, he, he was he was very good. I mean, he did get away with quite a lot, but I mean that's not his fault. But he did play very well. I mean, I think this was one of the questions that was asked to the other Man City fan who was on our preview. Obviously, you were linked with um, Jorginho also mm. and and Fred in the past. I mean. Is it a worry that Fernandinho is getting up in age? I mean, I'm not sure how consistent he's been, but I think it might be an area where Pep's obviously looking to find a Bernardo Silva to a David Silva, for example. Is that is that yeah. a worry for you in the future, replacing Fernandinho? I think it's it's one of those things. Fernandinho was a bit of an odd purchase, if you like, because he came, was it Shakhtar Donetsk came from? Yeah. Um, so he was out in the cold, literally. And not many people knew much about it. And I include myself in that. He wasn't uh, a star for his national team. You know, he wasn't kept making headlines. And then he turns up and he was already uh, late 20s, I think, wasn't he? When he, when we signed mm. him. So it was a bit of an unknown quantity. And then he turns into this absolutely perfect player for the role. Um, and I think what he, what we're doing is the, the, the team's style of play is developing slowly but shortly. It's becoming more... Team as, as, as the seasons took off, and I've got some bad news for, the, for a lot of people. I think Pep Guardiola will be manager at City for about a decade because he's building something with a lot of young players. It's going it's to end the, the end process. Will be um, a very very Pep team in a way that even the other, you know, even Barker and, and, and Bayern didn't have because he 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 didn't really have enough time in his, to create his own image. So I think what we're not looking for is another Fernandinho now. What we're looking for is a player for the next phase of Pep's development. Oh. And that's going to be the intriguing thing. He bought Gundogan and he's, you know, he's more of a, a solid midfield player than, a, than, than Bernardo Silva, for example. So maybe that's where the, the future will lie more in him. I don't know. I'm not sure. But don't fall into the trap, and I say to the City fans as well as to everyone else, don't fall into the trap of thinking, how do you replace Fernandino? Because I think the team will have moved on, and the team, the team style of play will have, will develop in a way that we might not 
need Fernandinho as much. I don't I don't know how better to explain it, but mm. at the minute at the minute he's there almost as the um he's, he's there as, as as the elder statesman and pulling the strings a little bit. But then you look through the midfield that we've had since, if you like, the money rolled in as people talk about it. We started with Patrick Vieira, you know, in the, at the end of his career coming in and, and doing his thing. And we've had Yaya Torre, you know, and uh, absolutely bossing it. And Nigel De Jong being in there and, again, not a young player. So maybe it is one of those positions where you need to find a player who's already shown it all, a player who's yeah. known, known, you know, and I, and I don't know who that player would be, but I do suspect that we won't have a need for that same sort of player, maybe, as we have at the minute. Yeah, that's all fair. I, I thought it'd be an interesting one to ask. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and that's yeah. the question is, um, and, and you're asking the impossible of a relatively limited footballing brain here. Um, <laughs> you're, you're almost saying, what's Pep going to do next? Yeah. Because I think yeah. we know how, we know we know Jurgen Klopp wants to play. We see that it's a relatively well um, walked path, and I'm not being negative in that because it's a very very good style of football that he plays. But you know he's not going to create anything too different because it works really well whereas I think Pep is he's on a journey to create something remarkable and we saw some of it last season you know the centurion season as we now call it apparently for mm. marketing purposes um, and what the next thing for Pep is what, how do we get better than that and when you <laughs> How do you get? How do you get better than that? I think that's some football manager stuff that, <laughs> that you need to ask there um, but we'll move on to the centre backs and, and today we're obviously this is probably the key area for us and has been most of the season as you said earlier on our defensive record has um, improved but to, uh, yesterday we saw uh, the old partnership come back for this game and let's say penalties aside for this bit because we'll talk about the Lovren incident and then we'll come to the Van Dyke one as well but how penalty decisions aside how do you think Van Dyke and Lovren played? I was very surprised in in an impressed way with how Lovren handled this occasion, and obviously we, as I mentioned before, we have to take it in the context of it's his first. I think it's his first start or his first big start of the season, having been injured for you know the start of the season. So to come in in a game like this, facing you know arguably the greatest striker the Premier League has ever seen in Aguero, I think he handled the occasion and the situation. Pretty well. I thought Van Dijk had an excellent game. As you said, if you take the penalties aside, I was happy with how, you know, we stifled City. And I think both teams obviously aren't firing at, at full pace at the moment. And it could be argued that both teams could have offered more attack. They, they held back a little bit. But I think that goes with the fear that both had in you don't really want to let go too much because, um, you, you could be punished. But I thought, they marshaled, they marshaled the, I think Van Dijk and, and Lovren marshaled that defensive line pretty well. Um, from the City perspective, I thought they also, their defenders also looked good. I'm, I'm very impressed with Laporte. I think, you know, he, he was a couple of years back, you know, one of those center backs that you were meant to be looking out for. He came up with the likes of Varane, you know, the guys that, that you did need, and Jimenez, who's at Atletico at the moment, where they were saying, these are the young centre-backs you need to be looking at. And he seems to be proving that at City. I think he's the mainstay centre-back at the moment now, and I don't see that changing. John Stone's coming in. I was surprised not to see company. I I, I didn't follow the situation of who was going to start at centre-back for City, 
So I'm not sure the reasoning behind that, but I thought Stones was, you know, he he did his job pretty well, and that could be a a pretty good partnership if they can develop together going forward. But from a Liverpool perspective, personally, I would prefer to have Gomez back in there at centre back with Van Dijk. If it's mm. not broke, don't you know, don't 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 change something that's working so well at the start of the season. But as we've seen with with Klopp, there are there are systems and players and individuals that he trusts in certain positions and we saw how Lovren won that battle towards the end of last season so maybe this could be a reward that once he's back fit and firing that he gets to to get that position back but if it's if it's was my choice I, I definitely would keep Gomez there and maybe use Klein to be the guy to rotate Trent Alexander-Arnold when he's tired. Yeah, I fully agree. Um, Andy, before we come on to the the second Lovren penalty incident, <laughs> do you want to talk about your centre-backs a bit? I mean, Laporte um, seems to be your first choice now. Um, how's he started the season? How do you think he did on, on uh, Sunday? And, and who do you think should join him for the majority of the, the rest of the Premier League? I think we've got one big advantage over Liverpool in that we have, you could probably say we've got four centre back, so centre-halves in old language, who can all play with each other. You know, you've got you had Ottomandi and company, who, let's be honest, would probably start for most Premier League teams, certainly would play for United as a, as a first two, wouldn't they? Um, but they were on the bench. And then I we've got Stone. As well, to, be fair. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you, I think me and my 15-year-old would as well. But, um, yeah, we, we've, we've got reasonable depth in that position. Um and then you, you, you throw in the fact that a player that never managed to break through, Mangala, who's injured long-term with a nin, you know, he was a hugely expensive player, depends mm. on who you listen to in terms of the cost, but he was certainly north of 35 million from what I understand. It. You know, that's a lot of talent not to get anywhere near this team. Um, I, I think the reason he picked the, the two at the back that he did, because he knew he wanted people to be able to play the ball. He knew that if you, if your team were on song, you know, that front of the yours needs to have the ball played around them. And I hate to say it because he's an absolute legend, but Vincent Company can occasionally under hit a ball and he can mm. occasionally have a blind spot. And, and Ottavendi can slide better than most bobsled teams. Um, <laughs> so they were the doubts, if you like, about teams that press a lot onto, onto the defence. The two guys who played are the ones who were able to pass it and pick a pass to get us out of those presses a little bit better. Um, it seems obvious to me as well, just on, on, a, on a tangential note here, guys. I was looking at this and I, I was scratching my head and I thought, if ever there was two teams who cannot afford to have a goalkeeping injury. We're both there, guys. <laughs> what, what's behind that first choice keeper that we both have? And that oh, would God. be my that would be my worry for both Liverpool and City in terms of style of play and and being able to to cope with a goalkeeper maybe being out for a couple of months with an injury. Um, I think was is your second choice still Minule? Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, I was, we, I was. We, got, we loaned Carrius because just wanted to give Minule that extra chance. <laughs> yeah, so can you, can you imagine that game that we watched yesterday? If you replace the two keepers with our two sub keepers, 
I think there'd be more shots in the game. <laughs> <laughs> At least they would be involved. <laughs> yeah, there would have been plenty of action in, in that respect. But yeah, you know, so you talk about centre back partnerships being really important, but I think the, the foundation that both teams are built on is the fact that we've got a goalkeeper who is an, an, an additional centre half, really, um, in, in, in how they then play the ball around the attacking team. And I think if that, if we either, either of us lose that, I can imagine even Van Dyke could have kittens with, uh, Minion being the man oh, he's got to he, rely on. He has. He has. Don't worry about that. <laughs> so I, I, I hate to be the, the bearer of that bad news, but could you just imagine? Um, so I mean, the, the, the centre back partnership, I, I personally think we had the, the better pair of pairing on the pitch. Uh, Van Dyke obviously had history about not coming to City, choosing you guys fair enough. We walked away, but we walked away and then we went and bought the port. So, you know, <laughs> we paid less for our centre half than you did for yours. Um, but we both got very good players, and and it's interesting. It'd be interesting to see who's still at the top of the game in in three or four seasons' time, because you know we we got that ability to rest at our centre house, mm. and I think that might come back and bite you a little bit if you're so reliant on Van Dyke. Um, and I think no, we got are. we got Joe Gomez for five pence. That, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, but if you if you take if you take. Van Dyke out of your your initial choice, mm. you know. I think you're getting a little bit more nail biting in your in your partnerships, aren't you? That, that's why we don't talk about such things. Yeah, <laughs> and and that is in a way that City's City's bench proved that we could have done reasonably well without either of the two that we started with. And uh, you know, I, I'm I'm sat here not trying to brag about this, but it's the quiet revolution at City under Pep that we've got four. Very, very good centre halves. You know, and I don't think as many teams can say the same thing. Yeah, very true. I mean, Otamendi, I think he was in teams of the season last year, wasn't he? For the yeah. Premier League and company, probably one of the best centre backs in modern Premier League history, if not just Premier League history. Laporte seems to be the the best youngish. I'm not sure how old is he. He's like 24. 24. Yeah, yeah, that's still young for a centre back. Um, so young yeah, according to Young Player of the Year award. So. Yeah, but so it's like being 29. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, def- it's definitely a, a good set of centre-backs there, and hopefully Liverpool can add add that a bit more. Um, but Gomez but would, you, but would, you do it, uh, would you do it like City have done when they, they got stung on the guard and they still went out and tried to get Van Dijk and then they walked away at the cost, but we still spent, I can't remember what it was, 40 million quid or whatever, but whatever daft money it was on the board. Uh, will Liverpool be able to go out and spend that money again on another centre-half? Because that's what you need to do, really, isn't it? To be able to say, right, we can move on from that position. Yeah, I don't think we'll ever spend 75 mil on a centre-back unless the market breaks again. I think that won't happen, because I don't think we plan to do that with Van Dijk. We just kind of <laughs> dug ourselves in a hole that we couldn't get out, so we just had to bite the bullet. But as as you said, he's an excellent centre-back uh, and, and has been worth the money. Fortunately, as I said, we got Gomez for literally like I think it was three million, so that's a decent profit, a uh, decent player, uh, well, a very good player there for pretty cheap. And yeah, I think the other centre backs you can we can improve upon whether we spend north of thirty mil on that time will tell. But um, we'll 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 come to it then. And today, I'll start with you. We see the, the second Lovren incident where. He, 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 he spins round and kind of slaps or palms um, Jesus who goes down um, I don't think it's as stonewall as the first one but what, what was your thoughts on this one? It's one of those situations where 
it causes controversy because I'm pretty sure 100% if that was outside the box, ref definitely would have stopped play for a foul. Whereas mm. because it's in the box, somehow it's no longer a foul. There seems to be that, you know, um, difference of, of standard when it comes to that sort of thing. I think Markovic, you know, Liverpool fans looking back, Markovic <laughs> got, I think, suspended or something or banned. He got for, a, no, um, he got a red car for flicking the air in front of someone. Yeah, yeah, exactly for something like that. But, um, yeah, I do think if that was outside the box, referee gives that without even thinking twice. Because it's inside the box, it's a big game. I think he just didn't give it. Um, if it had been given, I think Liverpool fans would have been felt harshly done by. Um, but alternatively, if it was a Liverpool player who had been, you know, flicked like that, then Liverpool fans would be crying for a free ki- uh, for a penalty. I don't think it's one of those where it depends which team you're supporting. Uh, it's going to weigh your opinion on that. But if it's outside the box, we wouldn't even be talking about it. It would have been a foul. Yeah, now Andy, your your thoughts on on the Lovren incident? I, I go back to the to the fact that you know if you chuck the VAR into the mix at the end of you know at the end of that ninety minutes or ninety three minutes, whatever it was, we played, City would have had three penalties. Mm. I genuinely believe that each of them was a penalty. You know whether whether one was too early in the game, whether what as you're suggesting there that one was. One of those situations where they don't give it in, but they do give it out of the box. But it's, you know, if it's reviewed by VAR, it's a penalty. And, you know, obviously the one that was given, I think we can all agree, was definitely a penalty. Oh, yeah, so, I, wasn't even, I wasn't even going to discuss that. <laughs> yeah, so in effect, City have gone to Anfield. Um, I don't think there was any penalty shouts at all, anything close to it for you guys. But we had three penalties, one given, two not. And then, you know... You ask the question, how can we still end up nil nil? <laughs> but that's because two of them weren't given, and 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 whatever the reasons, whatever the logic. As I say, you know, you t- you talked earlier about it, it evening itself out. You know, when you could, maybe we'll go and get five penalties in one game at some point. But it, it's one of those situations where I saw three three penalties, the ref gave one, and then we still end up nil nil. That's football. That's why we love it, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, 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 I think it's a difficult one with this one because, as Tadeva said, it's hard to it, it, when you've got your biases, it's hard to see uh, to I think, separate I think, that. <laughs> I think it's one of those things, though, isn't it? That you also had the situation in the game, and I'm not I'm just bringing this one up because it's 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 hand or arm to the face, and you had the one where Fernandinho put his hand in um, in Marnie's face, I believe it was. Mm. After he'd been kicked in the ribs or whatever, but he put his hand in his face, and yet he didn't get a yellow card for that either, did he? So have we got a ref who just thinks that you're allowed to do this sort of thing? You know, it's the only logical conclusion that he thinks you're allowed to palm people's faces, or you know, maybe should should try punching each other in the face. Yeah. Plus, Martin Atkinson is like the most passive ref in the league. Like he, he doesn't give much. Um, yeah, but you, you, you then look at you learn the laws of the game. Um, yeah, yeah. And and it's a, it's a very much a no no, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, so, absolutely. So how how does the how does one ref see two very clear sort of facial slaps or whatever, and neither of them get the uh, get the card they deserve? It's weird, but then you know that's why that's why we uh, we bite our nails and pull our hair out, isn't it? Yeah, very true, very true. 
But uh, I've just realised that we're near an hour now, so we'll we'll try and finish up uh, in, in a few minutes. But obviously, we've got to talk about the last penalty incident. And Andy, I'll I'll, I'll just come to you on this one because there's not much we can talk about from a Liverpool <laughs> point of view. Uh, obviously, Stonewall penalty. I mean, it, it's literally one of the clearest one you'll ever see. Um, what were your thoughts when Mara stuck uh, stood up to take it then? I was a little bit confused as to why there was any debate because I don't understand why. Uh, I mean, there must have been a, a plan B for who takes the next penalty if Aguero's not on the pitch. There must have been an agreement, you would think, would you not? That if yeah, Aguero, absolutely. If, Especially if Aguero, when you know you know yeah. Jesus will probably come on at some point. And I think I think um, he, uh, he came on about the 65th minute, I think, off the top of my head. He yeah, I think so. So there's 25 minutes of the game. Someone must have thought, oh, we were, even if you even if you don't expect to get a penalty at, at Anfield, which the first two not being given probably justified that idea. But you must have a second penalty taken. I don't, and I don't understand. And it's very, it's it's very difficult for me to to accept that you have two players even having that conversation. You know, because that's ego getting in the way, isn't it? That's people saying, I'm better than you. I'll, I'm taking it. That's why we have these. That's why we have these um, pecking orders in teams. Aguero, it used to be uh, Yaya Torre. Even with Aguero on the pitch, Yaya Torre would take them um, a lot of the time. So I don't understand why there was any debate. The penalty was given. It was a clear, clear penalty. Uh, I think that, just as a side note, I think that came from the fact that we had far more pace on that side of the pitch as well. Mm. Sane came on. He frightened the death out of anyone. And, and you know, it proved, proved the point, didn't it, when, when Van Dijk did what Van Dijk doesn't normally do. He was he was all all over the place trying to defend against this this I can't say enough genius of a player. But then when the penalty was awarded, I, I, I was just scratching my head. Thinking, no guys, <laughs> someone has to have been told to take the penalty. And then you heard that you heard that you heard that um, Pep didn't know that he'd missed what was it three of the last five or four of the last. Yeah, six. I think it was three of the last five. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if he didn't know that, you can't go off what he's doing in training. We all know how easy it is to score against your best mate in, in the park. You know, we're talking about scoring in front of thousands of people at Anfield in the 85th minute. It's it's a different a different challenge, isn't it? I personally wouldn't have had either of them taking it, to be honest with you. Um, I, I'd have had Sane taking it because he would. I, I, I'm going to believe if there isn't a de- if there isn't a definite penalty taker, the man who wins it if he wants it should take it. Um, and he's German. That always helps. Uh, and, and he's German. He's good looking. <laughs> it would make for great um, pictures at the end of the game. And I, and he's com- he's a confident young lad. He's you know he's never going to be phased by this sort of thing. Um, as I said earlier at the start of the, the, our chat today. I'm not a fan of Mahrez. I don't see him as a City player. I can't warm to him. It's just something that... Yeah, we all have players that we have a mental block on. Mm. And I, I said on Twitter about this, you know, he's not doing himself any favours, endearing himself to the City faithful with, with, with doing what he did. And it wasn't even close to going in, really, was it? It wasn't quite as he was. I think it was closer to going out the stadium, <laughs> to yeah. be fair. Yeah. But, but if I, I mean, can just defend... Um, if I can just defend Mahrez in in how he took that penalty and it's um maybe I can bring real life into it as well <laughs> it's something that I've done when I was playing you know football at a more competitive level obviously when I was younger 
um, where it does look like he was, you know, as he's about to take it, he sees that our keeper is going in the direction where he is going to be putting the ball. So he then tries to put a little bit more power so that he can go, so that he can get the ball past the keeper. And that's what ends up making him go over the post. Because you do sort of, in that last second, as you see the keeper going in the direction where where you are taking it, because he leant towards as though he was going to kick it to his right, the keeper's left, and then just closed his foot um, or opened his foot in the last second. And he see, he notices, oh, crap, the keeper's figured this out and he's, he's going to save it. So he then tries to put a little bit more power. And unfortunately for him, you know, that usually means that it goes either wide or it goes over. So, and yeah. it's precisely precise the point I was saying that you can take him against your best mate in the park or you can take it, you can plant every yeah. single one of them in the top corner in training. It's a different mentality, isn't it? Aguero, when he takes them, he never changes, he doesn't seem to change his mind, whatever yeah. he's planning on doing. And sometimes he misses them, but when he, when, it, when he steps up to take his penalties, he knows what he's going to do. Uh, yeah, yeah, Torre always knew it. And I don't think he, he's like he never missed one for us. And they normally went in the side of the net because he just struck them so well. And I think if we'd have put Sane in front of that keeper, he would have known what he was doing and he'd have just put the ball in the back of the net. I don't have a problem if the goalkeeper saves it, funnily enough, because it means mm. you've, made, you've made the goalkeeper work. So this target is almost criminal, isn't it? When you think about it. Yeah, especially for a sixty million pound new sign, it's not exactly great to <laughs> great way to in, not introduce but welcome yourself to the fans as you said. Um but today were from a Liverpool point of view I I didn't see it because I was probably a bit distracted, uh, crapping myself about the game. But <laughs> I, people have been saying that uh, Salah was fouled up into the lead up to the to the actual given penalty. I mean, did you see that? Because I, I I didn't. I don't know if it happened. <laughs> I only saw it in the replay, actually, because as you said, the whole commotion of the game, you don't catch some of these things. But I do think it was a 50-50 challenge. And going with the flow of the game and how the ref had been in the game, I don't think he was going to give that foul. Another ref could have given it. But like I said, mm. considering how free-flowing he had allowed the game, I don't think he was ever going to give it. So just one of those things where you guys, you have to play to the whistle. You can't still because a lot of our Liverpool players kind of stopped in that moment and had their hands up and were doing all sorts of things. Whereas you know, just play the game until the whistle blows, and 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 that should stop a lot of these issues. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair to say. I mean, we saw that uh, in the Chelsea game as well. We seem to switch off for stuff like that. But final thing before we go to final thoughts on the result. I mean. That's very uncharacteristic from Van Dyke, isn't it? Yeah, very uncharacteristic um, from Van Dyke. But, you know, he, he's a footballer. He's going to make mistakes every now and then. I don't think it's an indictment on, on the player that he is. Um, it, it happens. And as you said, when you've got a skillful player like Sané running into the box, you know, having had 70-odd uh, minutes of facing Sterling and Aguero and Mahrez sprinting at you, then now you've got a fresh young, fast-paced Sané running at you, you're going to try and stop him as, as quickly as possible. And he was just too quick on, on on that occasion. In terms of the results in general, I think both teams will, will be happy with the draw. Um, before the game, both teams would have been happy with the draw. With the way the game has gone, maybe Liverpool, we would, you know, after the penalty has been given, we would be even happier with the draw. Considering, yeah. you know, that they could have gone up and basically won the game in the lot. I don't think we would have had a chance to, to get back into that game. 
But as I said, I think you'll see a very different game towards the end of the season if both teams are chasing the title, opposed to this one where it was just one of those don't lose. If you don't lose, um, you'll still be top of the the league and then win the other games in and around this one and and we'll we'll see each other for the for the proper head-to-head um, heavyweight boxing slugfest that I'm expecting at the end of the season. Yeah, and Andy, what 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 would you think of the result as a Man City fan then? <laughs> yeah, it's one of those weird things, isn't it? That I'm, I'm sort of the day after having I, I normally rewatch a game, a, you know, a, a second time because you, you take other things in, don't you? I yeah. haven't had a I haven't had a chance to, so it's going off what I saw on the day, and obviously. We talked about the penalties. We talked about the missed penalty. We talked about various things, and I, I come away from Anfield nil nil. I think it's the first time we've had a clean sheet at your place since 1986. Good God! <laughs> right. So in that respect, you, th- you go well, absolutely step in the right direction. But also knowing that we deserve to win that game, I think That's marg- might be marginal in some people's eyes, but I think we deserve to win that game. So disappointment. But the other side to it is we didn't get a point last season at your place, did we? So we're now on for 101 points for this season, aren't we? <laughs> is that right? Uh, possibly. That might be right. <laughs> so um, it's, it, there's positives over last year. And I think what we've got now is we've got uh, maybe a Guardiola who's willing to change things for certain teams. But not, there won't be many teams he changes things for. And it, I don't think there's many teams he has to change, change things or either, but I got a feeling that this has put doubt in the minds of, of of some of your players, not just against us, but obviously you played Chelsea as well, and maybe there's a little bit of doubt creeping in. There's a little bit of doubt, and that that will serve us well. So in that respect, going to your place and keeping a clean sheet and not getting beaten, and also playing the better football and having possibly three penalty shouts, all adds to the the plus column. So I'm happy enough at the end of it. We've got Huddersfield and Cardiff after the international break, so that doubt might go away quite quickly. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but you, you can, uh, you, you as well as we all are, when we have teams chock full of international players at an international break, the mind now goes yeah. to I hope no one gets injured. And um, obviously Salah had that awful um, time at the World Cup. Yeah. Uh, and that I think he's carrying that a little bit mentally at the minute. So we don't want anyone to come. But I, I, I've said it all along, and I've said this many times, and some people don't agree with me, but I want Liverpool to be at the best. I want United to be at the best. Arsenal to be at the best. Chelsea to be at the best. When we win, because there's no excuses. So I want all of the players to come back healthy so that we can all turn and say, well, we were beaten by the better team. You know, we didn't lose four players on one international break, which ruined our season. So let's let's hope they all come back healthy. They all come back ready, um, and, and we still win. Yeah, same, but obviously us winning. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we'll finish up there. Um, and Andy, I'll come to you first. Is there anything you want to plug? Maybe hand out your Twitter? Well, if you if you really want to do that sort of thing, it's uh, it's at the real F-Loke. Um, so you, if you want to follow me and, and be annoyed with my really, really awful jokes, and generally, <laughs> if, you like, if you like people who take the piss out of United then I am definitely the account to follow so yeah yeah that'll 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 get some uh, good <laughs> points for you <laughs> and to do you anything you want to plug um I suppose I'm not sure are we if we're doing a fantasy pod this week or next week um I know Jay is very even keen. I'm not sure 
Yeah, I know Jay's very keen to gloat about um, how he did on fantasy this week. Um, so if if just look out for that if we're doing it this week or next week in terms of fantasy. Um, and then I think that's it for me. Yes, that's it for me in terms of pods. Good stuff. But thanks for joining me, you two, and thanks for listening, everybody. Let's get ready to rumble. Podcast Network.